North Carolina takes to the road this weekend, still in search of their first true road win of the season. But here's the good news. Louisville is literally awful. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Friday, January 13th, ooh, Friday the 13th, yikes, 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to say a big thank you for joining us, especially if you are just coming in for the first time. We are so glad you're here. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online, who has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online where the game starts. Oh, folks, coming up on today's show, we look back on Carolina women's big-time victory at Virginia on Thursday night. I take you on a little tour of North Carolina sports for this weekend, and we've got our heel of the week and our heel of the week. But first, North Carolina at Louisville tomorrow, Saturday, January 14th in the KFC Yum Center, 2 p.m. Eastern time on ES. And I cannot believe this game is on ESPN. They are going to probably be sad about that. Here's why. We often talk about must-win games. You know, a team gets in a scenario where it's like, man, you got to win this game, or things are just like Kentucky losing to South Carolina last week, for example, Yikes, or earlier this week. This is not a must-win game for North Carolina. This is a you just simply cannot lose this game. It's one of those where there's nothing to be gained by winning it and there's everything to be lost by losing it. Why is that? Well, I was not joking off the top when I said that Louisville is literally awful. You might recall several weeks ago I said that Citadel was the worst on paper team North Carolina would play all season. That's still true. That's not wrong but it's close, and that's what's wild. This is Louisville we're talking about. At Ken Palm right now, Louisville, out of 363 Division I teams, is 276th. You heard me right, 276th. They're in the bottom 100 teams in the entirety of Division I. Just how bad is that historically? Well, If you know me, you know I love a good research assignment, so I went through and did it. I compared Louisville to every Power 6 conference that would be uh, ACC, Big 12, Big East, or uh, yeah, Big 12, Big East, Big 10, Pac-12, and SEC. I went back through every year of Ken Palm, which dates back to 2002, and looked at the worst-ranked Ken Palm team of every season in those Power 6 conferences. Louisville has the third, like if the season ended right now today, Louisville would be the third worst power six team in the entire Ken Palm era. The only two that are worse are Rutgers in 2015-16, who finished 279th, and Utah in 2011-12, who finished 302nd. Louisville is the third worst ever, all of that. Wow, that's how bad they are. But what that means is that Carolina has to go in and just not lose this game. I don't care if there's no Armando Baycott. I don't care if there's no Pete Nance. You still have to win this game. So the the question is then, 
if there is no Mondo, no Pete Nance, uh, what's Carolina going to do? Well, here are some things I'm going to be watching for in this game. Number one, we're, we're going to give you four of them here. Um, number one, the biggest question mark, as I just kind of alluded to, is Armando Baycott and Pete Nance. If they're both out, you just got to assume that Jalen Washington is in the starting lineup, but you honestly don't feel great beyond that. I mean, uh, assuming these guys are both out, which we we don't know as of this recording for sure, and probably it's going to be game time with Pete, and I doubt Mondo's playing. Like, I just don't see them risking it against Louisville, who's just, again, awful. So I'm assuming the starting lineup, if Pete is out, would be the three-guard lineup, 3G that we've been seeing. Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, Seth Trimble, along with Leakey and Jalen Washington. That's who started the second half of the game at Virginia on Tuesday night, and I would expect to see that. But beyond that, you don't feel great about what you have. I mean, we talked about Justin McCoy. He's out there, but but not doing it. And like a lot of folks were clamoring for, hey, why why can't we just play super small and put Dontrez out there who hasn't been playing or um, gets more time from Puff Johnson and, and that's all well and good, but like Jalen can't play 40 minutes. Like he's, he was ineffective as he got into the twenties there. And so um, that that's the biggest question mark. Speaking of which, what I'm watching for number two, how does Jalen Washington follow up his Virginia performance, which was so good for a lot of it, right? We, we have been clamoring for him to get more playing time. And he finally did out of, out of necessity, but whatever it takes, sometimes he got that playing time in spades on Tuesday. Again, 27 minutes. So the question for me in thinking about how Jalen follows up that performance is how many minutes can he play effectively? Is it 15? Is it 20? And as his um, endurance wanes, what are things he can do to still be effective, be a helpful teammate, whatever it may be. Um, is Or is it maybe Coach Davis needs to play him in shorter spurts, get in and out. Maybe maybe after having played at Virginia, he, he's finding his sea legs a little more and can be longer, uh, effective longer. So that's something I'm watching for too. How does Jalen follow up that Virginia performance? Number three, again, assuming that neither Armando or Pete play, who steps up? The first person for me to get my vote would be R.J. Davis. Uh, he, as we talked about, following the Virginia game, has been coming alive right now, doing so much better. But here's the thing. They're going to need a little bit of something from a lot of people, right? It, it, in some ways, it feels like it's going to have to be victory by committee if your starting front court is still out. So the guards all have to make great decisions. Cut down on turnovers. Um, be smart with the ball get into the lane, especially like if, if you don't have people really clogging it up, should have um, open capabilities there. And then again, front court by committee. What, what does it look like? It's essentially probably going to have to be small ball most of the afternoon. So we're watching that. And then the fourth thing I'm watching for in my what to watch for is because of what I said earlier, that Carolina can't lose this game. If Pete and Mondo are out again, if, how does Carolina respond to that pressure? Like what, what if we get into this game and they're kind of struggling because of, of the lack of some of the personnel on the road? Again, they haven't won on the road in a true road game yet this year. 
against a team that's awful. That, that'll be interesting to watch. So how do they respond in that type of environment? Because again, Louisville is 2-15 and 15 on the season, 0-6 in ACC play, losses, everyone. Literally their only two wins are Western Kentucky and Florida A&M. That's it, and they're not projected to win any more games the rest of the season. And so that's what you need to know there. Like, it, it, it's not good for Louisville. Really, I, I don't even want to talk about their game all that much. I'll, I'll give you some names. Uh, Sidney Curry is a starting forward. Kamari Lands is a starting forward. Brandon Huntley-Hatchfield, a Tennessee transfer, is another starting forward. And then the backcourt is freshman Mike James, who um, has been the leading scorer for Louisville the past two games. But it's L. Ellis. That's the name you need to know. He's the dude. He's the guard. 6'3", 180. He's from Durham. So you know what that means, right? Uh, 17.5 points a game. 4.7 assists per game. L. Ellis is the guy you got to shut down and stop. Kind of similar to trying to cut off Kihei Clark from Virginia. And then as far as the bench, really two guys that have been playing a lot for Louisville. J.J. Trainer and Jalen Withers are both going to get in the 20s per game. Speaking of which, though, Withers had been in the starting lineup up until the previous uh, three games, excuse me, for Louisville. And so um, he is a starter most of the season. Keep your eyes on that. The line for this game, Carolina by 15 on the road. Ken Palm gives them a 92% chance to win this game. I think they win it. I honestly don't think they cover that 15, but I do think they win. Now, if, if Armando was in and good and Pete, is in or good yeah i think they do cover at that point but given what carolina should have available i just don't see them covering that spread well uh the women got some payback for carolina's loss at virginia tuesday night with a win of their own at virginia on thursday closing out the game on a 22 to 2 run i'll tell you more about it in a minute but first this episode is brought to you by bet online your number one source for sports betting info stats news and analysis get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football playoffs start up this weekend to the basketball season they've got it all so make sure you check out the line for this game at louisville on saturday it's not out on bet online yet as of this recording but as you heard me say it's 15 elsewhere it's always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Okay, man, Courtney Bang Hart's team has been doing great. Before we get into that, let me uh, tell you thanks for making Locked On Tar Heels your first listen. For your second listen, make sure to check out Locked On's brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball all in one place. Plus hear from big, big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. All right, the Tar Heel women's basketball team officially, officially now back on the right track. A two-game winning streak, that big, big, big time win over top five Notre Dame last Sunday, and then a win on Thursday night at Virginia 70 to 59 there in Charlottesville part of why it's such a great win is because they were trailing again the women have kind of been making this a habit they I know they want to get out of that but hey uh, you'll take it if you can keep 
winning, but they enter the fourth quarter down by nine, 51 to 42, chiefly because Virginia had literally doubled up the Tar Heels in the third quarter, 24 to 12. Um, and, and so that's where the rub was that that had happened. Um, was it Notre Dame or was it a game last week where, where Carolina had really kind of gotten blitzed in the third quarter? They had been down as many as 11 in the game. But here we go. Fourth quarter is winning time. The Tar Heels outscore Virginia in the fourth quarter, again, on the road, 28 to 8, including, as I mentioned a second ago, a closing run of 22 to 2 over the final six and a half minutes. That's winning basketball right there. To to hold Virginia to just two in that time span and to get 22 in that time span, great stuff there. As for some of the personnel and some of the stats that happened, uh, you love to see this. Kennedy Todd Williams, career high, 21 points. Deja Kelly matched her with 21 as well. But again, one of the key cogs to this thing, true freshman, the only freshman on the roster, Paulina Paris keeps doing big, helpful things. And it's not always the same helpful things. And that's what's uh, really helping. She only scored seven in this game. But as a distributor, five assists, and perhaps most importantly, zero turnovers, where? On the road. And Coach Banghart is trusting her more and more and more. In big games, in road games, she hadn't been playing, but she's been getting more and more minutes. Had 26, I believe it was, in this game. And that she's playing starters minutes now. This continued development from Paulina Paris is massive for this team, and I think a key to their success going forward. As for some of the statistical things that really helped Carolina pull out this victory, they forced Virginia into 21 turnovers. Carolina had too many themselves. They had 14. But when you're forcing your, forcing your opponent into 21, that, that's a combination for a win. Eight of those 21 came in the, that fourth quarter alone. So that, that really contributed to that 28 to eight score in the fourth quarter. Neither team particularly shot well in this game. The, the Tar Heels are able to overcome theirs to win 37.3% from the field and just 28.6% from three. The good news is though UVA shot even worse from the field, 31.3%, although a slightly better percentage from three at 31%. But here's the shooting that helped turn the tide for the Lady Tar Heels. 20 of their 70 points came at the free throw line where they shot an effective 76.9%, 20 of 26. And when you're doing stuff like that and making that many freebies, that, that is big time. Love it. So again, for the Tar Heels, this is now a two-game winning streak. Uh, that, that Notre Dame game I mentioned and this one at Virginia. But as we've been saying all season long, the ACC slate does not ease up. It is unflinching because why? The Wolfpack come to town on Sunday. Uh, NC State, number 11 in the nation, comes to Carmichael. Uh, Carolina, 22 in the nation, 330 on ESPN. So prime billing right there. Make sure you tune in on Sunday afternoon or better yet, it's going to be an electric, electric and dynamic atmosphere in Carmichael. Be a great Sunday afternoon thing. Just go, you know, dreary January day. Get out to Carmichael and go cheer on these ladies as they look for a three-game winning streak and look to beat the Wolfpack. Great stuff. 
All right, coming up here in just a second, a tour of Carolina athletics this weekend. I want to get you up to speed as more spring sports are getting going. Winter sports are still going. All that great stuff. And of course, I've got for you our heels of the week. All that coming up in just a second. Okay, let me take you around Carolina first. Tennis kicks off the spring portion of their season, both men and women. As you know, uh, great fall for both of these units, particularly the women and individually Fiona Crowley. And so the women start the spring portion of the season, the NCAA portion of the season, number two in the nation. Really, they've always done so great in the fall and the ITAs. They're just looking to, to get over the top in the NCAA tournament. So maybe this is the year. Anyway, they kick off uh, action today, Friday afternoon, 3.30 versus Elon hosting them, and then have another match tomorrow, Saturday versus App State at 2 p.m. And so my, my thing, what I'm watching for in this is can Fiona Crowley pick back up where she left off in the fall, just wiping the floor with everybody and everyone, both singles and doubles would love to see that. So should be great stuff there. As for the men's tennis team, they're number 18 in the nation. They play in the Alan Morris Invitational in Chapel Hill all this weekend up through MLK Day, which is on Monday, starting Saturday and going on through Sunday and Monday. Make sure you check out the number 18 ranked men's tennis team. Track team is in action this weekend at the newly renovated indoor facility, the Dick Taylor Challenge. Make sure you check that out. Fencing is at Penn State, so that's probably going to be miserable weather, but they, they head up there this weekend. And then wrestling, our wrestling dudes. Man, love what these guys are doing. I wrap up with them for a very specific reason. Uh, Saturday, they are at Harvard at 1.00. And then they're at Brown at 6.30. So big Saturday for the wrestling team. Good luck to them. Goodness, that's a lot of action. I hope they're eating all the oranges and doing all the stuff. And this is the last tune-up because for the wrestling team, ACC action kicks off next weekend at Duke in Durham there. So big time stuff going on. Now, here's the reason we wrap up uh, the, the Tar Heel Tour with the wrestling team because as we get into our heels of the week our heel of the week and our heel of the week the first the the good heel of the week comes from the wrestling team and so jason moore who's the father of sophomore wrestler spencer moore uh he and i go back and forth on twitter quite a bit great guy um and he is the one that sent in this nomination if you want to hear your name read out uh for for nominating a heel of the week please make sure to send that to us locked on tarheels at gmail.com you can tweet us dm us whatever uh we'd love to continue getting all those nominations from you but <laughs> Man, folks, this is a feel-good story coming from Jason. So, Jason, thank you for sharing this one. So, Zach Sherman is a member of the wrestling team, a nationally ranked member of the wrestling team, I should add. Um, All-American credentials, was an All-American, his redshirt junior season, finished seventh nationally that year at 141. And so, um, man, so Zach, coming back, last weekend has been battling through all these numerous off-season surgeries and then made his season debut last weekend, says Jason. Whew, and here's the thing. 
It's an emotional debut from Zach, who's able to come back on his father's birthday. Great stuff. Made all the more emotional, though, because here's the thing. Zach's father had coached him as a youth, a youth wrestler. And then unfortunately, the sad news is that his father passed away when Zach was in eighth grade. Um, ah, Man, folks, just what a great reminder this is. Once again, that these are not just robots or entities that you're watching wrestling or play tennis or basketball or lacrosse or football, baseball, whatever it is. These are human beings, 18 to 22 year olds, who are just like you and I out there playing a sport, going through the the ups and downs and everything else of life. And so Zach Sherman, you, sir, are our heel of the week. Congrats on getting back on the mat. I know that's big time. I know that's exciting. All the more so. What a neat um, just kind of moment to do it in memory of your dad and his passing. And, and so our thoughts go out to you as you're kind of in that season. I, I know um, one of my dearest friends in the world lost his brother in, in high school. And every year when that anniversary comes around, it, it's a thing, you know? And so um, we celebrate his life with you. We mourn with you, but we remember well. Uh, best of luck this season, Zach, as you wrestle. Keep that health, brother. Okay. And then we got to turn to our heel of the week. This is where we look at something very negative or silly or ridiculous. Um, a heel could be somebody that is awful or it could be somebody that's just dumb. And so it, it's not necessarily that it's going to be a tar heel. It's just heel as in, you know, you call somebody a heel. And so this one I actually picked up from the AP. Somebody pointed it out to me. And I just want to read you this news story because it's so ridiculous. You ready? This is our bad heel of the week. Two people in Florida were arrested after one of them made a 911 call to get help with moving their belongings from a home. Well, that's great, but here's why they were arrested. Moving their belongings from a home, they were burglarizing, <laughs> authorities said. And then the full story, deputies responded to a home Saturday after a 911 call was made, but nobody spoke. The Polk County Sheriff's Office said at the home, the deputies concluded that nobody lived there, but they found a male suspect and his girlfriend inside the home after entering it through an unlocked door. Deputies had been searching for the male suspect after identifying him from security video as a burglar at a Dollar General somewhere in Florida where several items were stolen earlier in the day. While talking to deputies, and here's the kicker, here it is, folks. The female suspect, the girlfriend, told them that she had called 911 for the purpose of having law enforcement help them move their belongings from the house they were burglarizing. They also wanted to get a ride to the airport so they could spend the weekend in New York, the sheriff's office said. Okay, I've got so many questions about this. Do, do you think they're just going to come there and think it's your house and that you're packing up your belongings? And that you want the police to drive you to the airport? In what frame of mind are you thinking this is a good idea? I, maybe that's the question. What frame of mind was this woman in? Uh, like, what are we doing here? So you, sir, and per particularly you, madam, 
are our heels of the week for just being, I mean, the wet bandits. Marvin Harry could do better than this, right? When they leave the water running uh, in their houses. Now we know each and every house you've hit. You know, we've been looking for you guys for a long time. You can tell it's been Christmas recently because I've got Home Alone on the brain and I can quote it. Anyway, these guys are our heels of the week negative for the week. Great stuff. Folks, please don't forget, uh, send us your nominations for the heel of the week and the heel of the week. We'll do this every single Friday. Well, folks, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. It's been another great week on the show. Great conversations talking about Ian Jackson, unpacking the, the loss, unfortunately, at um, Virginia on Tuesday. Hopefully, Carolina will get a win at Louisville on Saturday, and then the women will beat the Wolfpack at home on Sunday, and then we'll be back with you on Monday to dive in again. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow me at Isaac Shade. Make sure to subscribe to the show, smash the like button, and leave some comments on your thoughts. Maybe you have some ideas as to why these burglars are so silly. Uh, For your second listen, again, make sure to check out our brand new podcast, Locked on College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton, hey, I know one of those guys, bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever else you get podcasts. Thanks so much for hanging out with me on a Friday, talking Carolina athletics. Great stuff. Love to do it. And I want to remind you that it is always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until next week. Peace.